The model that we have seen in this industry and others was one we were explicitly trying to avoid, which is the a portion of the proceeds thing. 1% of all purchases, right? 1% of profits goes to. We, we didn't see anything like this where someone was asking everyone to donate their time and love and work and energy to, to donate 100% of proceeds. And we're super proud of that. From the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine, this is the Craft Spirits Podcast. I'm John Page, and today on the program, good guys doing good deeds. Our guests today are Johnny Jeffrey of Bentley Heritage Estate Distillery and John McKee of Headframe Spirits. They're also a part of Good Deed Spirits, a passionate collective of distillers and friends committed to supporting causes that lead to positive change. The group recently unveiled its first release, Good Deeds Malt Whiskey, which is available at sealbox.com. It's a blend from nine craft whiskey producers with 100% of proceeds benefiting ACSA's Step Up Foundation. And that's short for Spirits Training Entrepreneurship Program for Underrepresented Professionals. In a future episode, we'll hear from ACSA CEO and Step Up board member and president, Margie Lehrman, who will tell us more about Step Up and its inaugural group of interns, mentors, and distillers. For now, Johnny and John discuss how Good Deeds Malt Whiskey came about. They recently joined Craft Spirits Magazine Editor-in-Chief Jeff Cialetti and me for a conversation at ACSA's 8th Annual Distillers Convention and Vendor Trade Show in Louisville, Kentucky. To kick things off, Jeff asked Johnny and John to talk about the good guys. We're really just an informal group of uh, people who have been in the business, all, all aspects of the business, trying to spread good information and goodwill and point people in directions where they can pick up the information they need, share mistakes we've made, be professionally vulnerable, as John likes to say. Um, and, you know, we, we do it in our presentations, and we decided this year that we would try to manifest that in a physical thing this year by donating whiskey to a cause. So 10 distilleries, you want to help me count? Headframe, Bentley, Balcones, Santa Fe Spirits, Sonoma County, Stateline, Thornton's, Few, Rogue, damn it, Triple Eight on uh, Nantucket Island, all donated barrels. Um, and a handful of us went to Butte. We made a blend from that. All of the bottles, all of the labels, all of the shipping expenses, all of the label design, all of the marketing that we've done, the excise tax. This is, these are, were all donated by people in our community, and 100% of the proceeds is going to the Step Up Internship Program. Let me say it again. A hundred percent of the proceeds are donated. No one makes any money off of the sale of this whiskey. And the other thing that I think is really important to focus on is Step Up is a fully paid internship. So it isn't the kind of internship that people have to make huge sacrifices and try to find a way to make it work. They're being paid. Their travel is paid for. I need a pop filter. (laughs) Um, And... 
um, you know, it, it, this internship was created by ACSA to promote diversity. And if you take a look around, you'll see why that's important. Just take a look at this stage and see why it's yeah, important. Exactly. <laughs> And by the way, one of our interns is right there in the audience right Hi. now. Thank you and congratulations. Um, but I think to that point, yeah, to that point, I think we have seen a need to sort of embedder what we see here, right? So I was even just talking to someone who's only been at brewery conferences before, and she was just speaking to me that, you know, it's a breath of fresh air just to see as many women and, and people of, of color at this than there is even at the brewers' conferences. It's basically just old white guys with beards. And I can't grow a beard, so I can't be the – but I'm definitely the old white guy. And so we definitely have been trying to work on doing something about changing how our industry looks, um, how it feels, you know, who's participating and represented in it. And it became a time for the good guys to step up and do more than just taking care of each other. It was time for us to sort of put some, some muscle to the road. And so this release that we put together, the Good Deeds Whiskey, um, as John was speaking to it, um, we're trying to sell 1,000 bottles at 75 bucks a piece so we can give that proverbial golf check, if you will, to ACSA and have $75,000 in the coffer to set up a paid internship for at least one person out there somewhere. Maybe we could get two out of that. But it's the thing about most of these sorts of ideas is they often come unfunded. They're really great when you're in a conference and you're, you get to your select committee on, on diversity and everybody talks really big and then they go home to their lives. And it just sort of withers. And so one of the ways you keep it from withering is you find a way to make money for it. You find a way to get money injected into it. And if a whole bunch of cats making whiskey can't figure out how to put whiskey in a bottle and get people to buy it, then we're doing something wrong. And so we figured, well, hey, maybe we could do that, and that's a way we could add value. Yeah, right. Like, I, I think it bears saying that we're asking people to buy a bottle of really excellent whiskey to help fund, you know, a great cause. Do, do you all remember when the idea for this whiskey started? Like, what, what was the genesis of it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was last November, uh, about a year ago, and, um, you know, we're still all locked down. We haven't seen each other. There wasn't going to be a conference. I think a lot of people are sort of just, you know, they're dragging, right? We're, we're worried are we going to be able to keep our businesses open? Are we going to be able to keep our people employed? And I got to work one morning, and there was just this really beautiful snowstorm happening, one of those ones where, you know, the whole world's gone dark and quiet, and I showed up to work, and I was just missing all these yahoos. So I just took a picture outside. And I put it in the good guys and said, I'm just missing you guys. And one of them pinged back and said, well, you know, we should do something. Another one pinged in and said, you know, we should blend a whiskey. And another one pinged in and said, well, and this is all within about two hours. Another one pinged in and said, well, if we're going to blend a whiskey, why don't we make it and donate the money to Step Up? Because they need some money. And then by the end of the day, we pretty much had a plan in place. Whiskey transfers and bond were happening. Whiskey was on the way to Montana within a day. And we came together in February to do the blend. Yeah, but the genesis of the idea was this, like, we're missing each other. And this was a way, even if we couldn't physically get together like we are now, um, at least at that time we could bring together the things that matter to us and then do something impactful with that, which I think was something we also needed, too. I think a lot of us felt like we were just grinding to keep the doors open. We weren't being impactful. Mm -hmm. And I think we all needed something right then and there. And for us, that was sort of the genesis of it was just this idea of how could we be impactful together. Yeah, and one of the things I want to say about that is, uh, you know, good guys exchanges information. We call ourselves good guys. It's good guys and gals. 
It's a very inclusive group. <laughs> well, um, it's like kind of like X-Men, you know. They, it's like <laughs> we, we've had that conversation. Um, and, you know, we were doing a lot for one another, um, which has been great. And the membership changes and flexes and grows and shrinks. We have a purge every year where we uh, kick a bunch of people out and then let half of them back in. <laughs> um, and the way that it felt when this conversation started like was like John had, you know, that conversation had pulled the thumb out of the dam of everyone's desire to do something impactful and meaningful. And it really, you know, the lesson that we took away from it and the lesson that we would like for people to take away from just that is that you can take an, a group of people and give them the opportunity to do something together and there's so much pent-up energy among people who want to do something that it, we didn't have to drive it. We didn't have to cook up a brilliant scheme and business plan it and do all this stuff. We just had to, yeah, no, we just pieced it together as we went because everyone wanted to play a part. And we were shipping whiskey before we knew how we were going to cover the costs of everything. And someone, you know raised their hand in the group and said, I'll pay the excise tax. Don't worry about that. And bottles were being shipped from one of our partners. And, you know, it's, it's really, there, there's pent up energy there waiting to be used if you pull a community together and, and get everybody on the same page. Everyone's shipped all, these, all, all this whiskey there. And, uh, and so now what do you do with that? Let's talk about the, the next steps. Well, we get past the obvious joke of, I stole everybody's whiskey <laughs> to get it into my bond because some of the best whiskey made showed up, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Notch, right? And we're talking about 15-year expressions. He didn't send us 15-year, but you're talking about whiskeys that are the best of the best anywhere. He didn't um, want to make us look bad. He really didn't. So we get past that obvious joke. It gets to my bond. And um, then late February, again, before we're at a place where vaccines and travel is really easy, um, Randy and his wife hop in a, in a vehicle all the way out in Nantucket and drive to Montana so he can be there for blending. Johnny hops in a car down in Nevada and gets about, what, like 10 miles and four hours in a blizzard before he can get out of the blizzard. Cars and semis are off the road, and eventually he gets out and he makes it. And then our production manager, Reed Huddleston, they got to come together for two days in Montana and do a blend. And so what they did was they took these and 10 whiskeys. John McKee. Yeah, I, I, I was eye candy. I definitely was not doing that much. So, but what wound up happening was all 10 expressions are used in the whiskey. Not all of the whiskeys from all are used in the whiskey, right? So what we did was when you talk about blending, which I should really let John do, but you don't necessarily just throw it all in a barrel and say, you know, my baby's, my baby's not ugly or the emperor's got clothes. You really do have to put something together that genuinely is going to be a product people want to drink. And luckily, I think that's what we did. Um, I, I, Again, it's not just my baby. My baby isn't ugly. It's it's a genuine good whiskey, and a lot of the people who send it to you included, I think, have all had a chance to try it in the past. Are, are I think surprised one that American malt can be that good on its own because we usually tip, we don't usually associate American malts that way. They're sort of thought of as this weird stepchild. It's hard to find them on on in shelves because people no one no one knows where to put it in liquor stores. But then not only that, we took. 10 American malts and put them together in a blended malt 
and it's certainly the first time this level of blending of American malts has ever happened. I mean, yeah, there's usually like three or four have come together, like the Lost Lantern Project and some others. But we brought 10 whiskeys together at once, and I think Johnny should have a chance to talk about how they did that. So, you know, one of the things that's exciting about American single malt is all of the interesting things that we do to differentiate our products and, and to express things that have never been expressed before in single malt whiskey. Um, you know, regional terroir, use of, of interesting and exciting barrels, um, grain varietals. Everybody, you know, we're doing with single malt what has what's been done for 15, 20 years in craft, right. for bourbon and rye, for gin, you know, for vodka even, yeah. as weird as that is, um, which is really wonderful when people are creating their, project, their products and is really a challenge when 10 whiskeys show up where everyone's screaming for attention with their cool thing that they did, which is amazing. Each one individually is amazing. Each one. Um, but in the blending setting... You want to give room for everybody to be heard without it being just a clamoring, you know, just where everybody's making noise and it's not harmonious. So we spend a lot of we spend a lot of time working to make some of the kind of more unique and louder whiskeys kind of settle in but still have their voice. Some of the softer, less pronounced whiskeys also be present, not just kind of fall into the background as part of the blend. Uh, and that's that's where a lot of our time was focused. And, you know, some of us, I, I'm making what I would consider kind of a classic Speyside style. It's sweet and, and mild. Um, so we were, you know, Randy, very similarly, we were we were looking to make sure that those were present and their unique characteristics where someone like, you know, Colin Keegan at Santa Fe with mesquite smoke. If we blended one-to-one all those whiskeys, it would have been a mesquite smoke single malt. Yeah, man. So, you know, we had to, like, we had to nestle that in there where you still got some smoke, but perhaps you didn't, you weren't able to identify the mesquite. And I think we landed there. You know there's smoke. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily know there's mesquite. You know there are some roasted malts, but you're not tasting chocolate and coffee. Yeah. Uh, You know there are classic malts there, but you're not like, oh, it's, you know, it's one of those softies. So... All of them are present. All of them are, you know, nestled into a corner where at some point when you're tasting this whiskey, you're like, oh, shit, there's sherry barrels. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, there's sherry barrels in this blend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little bit of smoke, but is it peat? Is it the cherry smoke coming through? Is it the mesquite smoke? Um, that, that was really a pleasure. And John actually helped us finish it off because we were stuck in a spot um, on the second day. And he helped us find our way out. Yeah, and I think... The best part about, you know, it's two days of blending, two days of trials. And at the end, though, I think, like I said, even if they're that one little spot just to get over the hump at the end, we went and actually pulled some whiskeys from my library of whiskeys because by that point they knew what they were looking for, but they couldn't identify it anymore sitting in front of them. They needed to see, like, okay, I know what this whiskey tastes like whenever I go to a bar or whenever I buy it from a liquor store. Go find something like that. I brought it out to the table. They sort of reset a little bit, and then they found it in one of the ten and found that last bit of blend, and they got us to where we needed to be. And then after that, we wound up putting the the blend into used American bourbon barrels, and it sat for another six months Okay. in the used American bourbon barrels. And then we bottled it in September, October. I forget the exact timing. It was really tight on getting it to our distribution uh, partner. 
And um, but we wound up, and during that time, again, to what John was talking about, we continued to leverage the good guys to assist. So partners that really helped out, Tappy donated the corks and closure. Saxco donated the bottles. Uh, All-American uh, labels did the labeling for us. Uh, we had a graphic designer who did the entire thing uh, gratis. And I think that uh, a lot of people stepped up in that last bit. People just who didn't have whiskey or didn't have time or whatever, they just donated money so we could cover because FedEx does not donate shipping, right? right? Yeah. So uh, so we needed money to like just get these, these pallets across the country. And so in that sort of time period, while it was resting in the bourbon barrels and doing you know, more to its maturation cycle there, we took that time to then get through label approval and get you know, everything else we needed to get done. Um, we came together in September, October. I forget the exact timing, but we wound up doing our bottling there. So by then, a bunch more good guys could come be a part of it. Um, much more, you know, being that a lot more people had their vaccines on board, were felt more comfortable traveling. Um, which is really critical in this industry. If you're a distiller and you can't smell or taste, you don't have a distillery. Right. Right. I mean, it's not like just a Yahoo kind of thing. It's actually super critical in what we do. So I think a lot of people are still really cautious, but uh, some pe- we got about 15, 20 people who were able to show up. We did the packaging in the morning and we got it on FedEx and we got it to our distribution partner who is Sealbox. And so, yeah, I was going to say, talk a little bit about that. Please. And that's the only place you can buy it or can you buy it anywhere else? For this release. I'll let Johnny talk a little bit about that. But we were trying to pull off something maybe tomorrow night at the banquet. So All right. I'd like you to talk about um, our distribution partner. Yeah. So Blake Reiber at Sealbox was super enthusiastic. Again, all fees donated, no margin for, for Sealbox. Uh, you know, their, their shipping is a little bit limited, um, but we needed a simple way of getting this first kind of limited release out. So that is the only place it can be purchased and purchased online. <clears throat> we have been actively recruiting our community to receive bottles and then help get them to people in states that aren't shipped. And I want to note, there are states listed that as non-shippable on there that if you go all the way through the checkout process... It'll show um, up to your door. It'll show up whether yeah. they can ship to you or not. And I'm assuming you could uh, ship it to a friend as a gift. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. We exactly. heard about one trick of a guy who really wanted a bottle, so he opened a P.O. box in a state that would allow it and then set up a forwarding address to his state, but had it shipped to the one in the state that would, and then forwarded to his house. Oh, that's that's dedication. That's, uh, that, that guy wanted the whiskey, and I'm grateful as all get out for that one yeah. i've got you know somebody else who deserves a shout out i've got patrick heist here he's got a truck full of bottles that i'm gonna find a way to get to chicago because I, I grew up there and friends of mine were trying to get bottles he's gonna get those to me i'm gonna mm-hmm. get them to chicago um but yeah that that's the uh that's the outlet for this release but <clears throat> this release is a fraction of what we received there's about 130 gallons sitting in mm-hmm. an amarone butt um, at Headframe, right. waiting for a second release. And because so many of our members couldn't contribute whiskey because they don't have malt, uh, we're going to do a blended. So our next, uh, our next request will be for bourbon and rye. And we're going to do a blend of American whiskeys that we're going to release. We're hoping three, 4,000 bottles next year. Right. And in that case, we'll be looking for more outlets. So, you know, some... Some yeah oh right and we've got somebody volunteering right now to help us with that thank <laughs> Which you Matt. is awesome yeah. thank you um, and I think that you know as we go forward the the concept for the brand good deeds is to become evergreen um, it is to 
set up a place where it's the only 100% not-for-profit brand. I mean, literally all proceeds go out to something that we care about, in this case, the Step Up Foundation. And we see this as an ongoing evergreen brand. We see this as, you know, every year doing a release at about this scale or larger and finding an outlet in this industry that needs help, like Step Up, and making sure that this monies that people are entrusting with us and the whiskeys that people are entrusting with us uh, find a customer, and then that money from that customer finds a good cause. I mean, that's literally what a good deed is, right? So as we go forward, that's really what we're looking to do is expand the distribution. But this first one was about just getting it out at all. I mean, again, yeah. it was still it was still post-COVID, if you will. It was still a lot of work. It was still a lot of unknowns. Um, in fact, I think we're going to... Alexandra, too. Yeah, and I think we're going to really spend... We're going to try to maybe tomorrow uh, at the banquet... We're going to try to just hijack a little bit of time in the banquet because we have about 16 bottles here, and we're going to try to do a tasting for people there. And what we're going to do is a call to action. We're going to just put the hyperlink up on the, the screen, and we're going to say, stand up right now, grab your phone, and spend 75 bucks. There's about yeah. three or 400 bottles left. Let's get them all sold right now. It, it would be really cool if by the time that this comes out as a podcast, if it's just sold out. Wouldn't it be great? People have to look for that, that next release next year. So to future listeners, ha ha, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, there's a lot of people who really got, you know, everybody who participated at some pretty big levels, but there's someone who um, we really would be remiss in not mentioning uh, would be Alexandra Klo. She mm-hmm. uh, is a spectacular PR and marketing um, uh, professional in our industry. And what she did for this every Friday morning for an hour for four months she got into like between the blend and the release and got in and basically corralled us into as much impact as we could get out of this. It just wasn't a bunch of yahoos photocopying, you know, something we're going to tack up to a, to a, to a light post with little t- pull tabs. Come buy this bottle of whiskey uh, <laughs> that we photocopied on something that had a bad toner cartridge. Um, Alexandra stepped in and became a huge part of what the success here is about how we communicate it, how we get the story out. Because if you're going to have an evergreen brand about doing good, you got to have people know it exists. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just it feels good to us, but doesn't really do anything. And so she's doesn't, been really, really critical. Doesn't that feel like a lesson we should already have learned? Yeah. <laughs> but then again, she helped us learn it again. Yeah. She helped us. She helped us <laughs> codify it. Well, uh, so when you think about good deed spirits overall, um, did you see examples of that in other industries? Like you were talking about, like how this all came together. Like, was there any kind of model that you looked at elsewhere or how unique, you know, is this? So if I can say one specific note to that, the model that we have seen in this industry and others was one we were explicitly trying to avoid, which is the a portion of the proceeds thing. 1% of all purchases, right? 1% of profits goes to. We, we didn't see anything like this where someone was asking everyone to donate their time and love and work and energy to, to donate 100% of proceeds. And we're super proud of that. And, you know, we acknowledge that in the future... Likely one of the things we're going to need to do is cover some costs for smaller distilleries that want to donate but maybe can't afford to and we want to help them um, participate. But it'll always be 100% of proceeds as much as we can uh, keep that consistent. You know, at some point, if this really does grow and become a sustainable evergreen brand, 
Um, it might some, need an ED on board to make it work. Yeah, yeah, we may we may need to drop some of the money into a bank account to facilitate the next round and pay some people who can't always donate their time, like Alexandra. Right. Yeah. Um, to you know, not every retail outlet is always going to be happy to donate all of their margin to to the cause, right? right? right. So there are going to be pieces here. I am sure, if we do this in 2021, we're probably going to have to buy some bottles. 2022. Yeah. What year one. is it? Time, <laughs> Where time are doesn't we? exist. As of 2020, <laughs> yes. time has stopped. Yes, listener. Yep. It's 2020 yeah, year. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we will be exploring, you know, how much of that we need to keep the momentum of it going. But it will always be focused on donating as much of the proceeds as we can. Yeah. And we feel like that's pretty unique and exciting. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else we didn't hit on on, on the, the whiskey itself? or the the overall project any parting words well a few parting words one is we were able to come together and figure out how to do this because we already sort of had this it's the people we call or text or see most often right and people listening to this right now you have a group of those people just like that around you right and so there's probably a way you can figure out how to leverage something of impact out of your own core group in whatever you do right it's not we're in this weird place right now where a lot of people are talking about how to get theirs and it's really, it feels a lot better and it's a lot more impactful when you're talking about how to help somebody else get theirs. And I think that if you take that opportunity and if you use us as an example, if you will, I mean, we're willing to just like boilerplate, like wiki what we did here. So anyone else who wants to do this, just can, here's the steps, do this, do this, do that. We're happy to do that if someone else wants to jump in and do their own brand. Good deeds, other. I don't care. Bad <laughs> deeds. But the point being is that uh, there's More a way to deeds. do it. Yeah, other deeds. Yeah. Um, but also, there is just a straight-up call to action. Go to sealbox.com. Look up Good Deeds Whiskey. Pay 75 bucks. Get it shipped to your house because that 75 bucks is going to go to put an intern into our industry. And if we can get this one sold out, next year's 3,000 bottle release... I mean that's that's going to be even that much more impactful. We're talking two or three hundred thousand dollars after next year. Imagine what we can do if we can prove that this model works. Imagine the good we can do. And so there is a. I really don't like hard selling. I'm a very soft sell kind of guy. I'm like, hey, here, you know, I hope you like it. You know, please buy, and I'll sort of go away, and hopefully they do. This one, I'm just in your face. Buy the damn bottle. Yeah. It's it really means something, and we promise for seventy five bucks. You're not getting a bad whiskey. You're getting a spectacular whiskey. Yeah, we're really not asking people to sacrifice and, and buy something they're not going to enjoy. Uh, and, you know, to emphasize what John is saying, uh, Good Guy Distillers is a small group intentionally. It's very intimate. Um, I talked about purging. It's a rotating membership because we only keep people in the group who are active in exchanging information and promoting, with a couple notable exceptions, people who don't ever social media right um but you know that said nothing would make us happier than to find out there's a the best people distillers who has come up with another way of doing something like this and one-upping us and doing something that sells ten thousand bottles or whatever that'd be great for for new people in the industry create a group you know pull people together and show us another way of doing it and ste- or steal our idea and do it better than we did. And like, then we'll copy yours back and, and do it ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> like, mean. you know, we have all kinds of ideas about what to do with this group. 
but we know each other really intimately and we keep it small because we know how to leverage the people we have relationship with. And that's what a conference like this is about, is building relationship with people that you can be vulnerable with, you know, share information. And as you grow that group, figure out what you want to do with the energy you have left over after running your businesses and right. minding your families and your sanity. <laughs> and, you know, like it, it would be so lovely to us to find out that other groups are appearing, you know, and, and, and trying to do things like this. Absolutely. You have a booth here. Or I'm curious, is there, a, and you've only been there for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, but mm -hmm. in, in that time, is there a frequently asked question that's, like, rising to the top among people? Like, what If there is, I don't know, because we've sort of been slammed. I yeah. mean, yeah. every time I turn around, there's three people waiting in a line, and I sort of just jump into the next conversation. So I, I hope we're adding value. I had yeah. a couple of people, like, eyes got this big and went directly to a vendor yeah. that we could point them to on this floor. They said, that vendor has your answer. And they just said, that's what I needed. And they, boom, they're gone. So it's been a pretty cool event so far. Like, it's not something we've done. Normally, our good D, our, the good guys, we've helped each other. You know, but now I think we've just decided, okay, we did good deeds. And that's supposed to help others. What if we had a booth at ACSA and we used what we're doing internally all year long as a group? And we spent that time for a couple hours externally with anyone who shows up to the booth. And so... I handled a question today about filtering coconut out of rum, like the actual coconut meal, but not losing the flavor. And I was like, well, I think you could try this, this, and this. And another person had a problem with pH on a blend. And so let's talk about what happens when you have a weird pH. And then we were just talking with a grain researcher out of a university in New York who wants to sort of help us collate a bunch of grain information. And so it's been this really cool process so far. And anyone who has a question or who would like to know more or just, you know, wants to come in and say, you know, I did something really dumb the other day. Can you tell me what and then help me not do it again? Show up. We won't tell anybody. That's our program for today. Thanks again to Johnny and John for joining us. You can learn more about Good Deeds Spirits at GoodDeedsSpirits.com. And depending on when you're listening to this, you might still be able to buy a bottle of Good Deeds Malt Whiskey to benefit ACSA's Step Up Foundation at Sealbox.com. That's S-E-E-L-B-A-C-H-S.com. You can also learn more about the Step Up Foundation at StepUpInternship.org. We'll be back in a few weeks. Until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers.